Before we get started with today's episode, just a reminder, if you're watching this on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, we'll keep putting episodes there for a bit, but you want to make sure that you go over and subscribe to our new YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at snow the goalie. I think we're up to like 250 subscribers, which is great. We want to get to like a thousand or more. I saw last week's episode already had like, I think close to a thousand views or a thousand watches. So if you're watching on the Crossing Broad channel, thank you. Welcome. Make sure you go over to at snow the goalie, the youtube.com slash at snow the goalie. If you pop it into the search bar, I think it's snow the goalie flyers podcast. Subscribe to that channel. All right. With that, let's get underway with today's show. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, Beatlelight podcast, papers podcast. The, oh my God, there's only four games left in the season podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined by Chris Terrian, Bundy at C Terrian 6. But this week, as per Bundy's request last week, I'm going to start off with another man, a man who can't be bothered to join us from the comfort of his home. He's going to make editing this a pain in the ass. And that, of course, is Anthony Sanfilippo. He's on the road doing deliveries at Aunt San Philly. How are you doing? I love the shirt. How are you feeling out there? Doing deliveries? <laughs> you make it sound like I'm an Uber Eats driver or something. I was thinking meth, but you know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh doing great, Russ. Couldn't couldn't be better. You know, all is all is right with the world. Uh things are moving and shaking with the flyers. They're they're bringing in um, you know, Billy King to kind of help pick the next general manager. Um and I and I, I joke about that just throwing it out like that kind of sheepishly, but I, I honestly don't think it's a bad thing and we could talk about why later. But uh yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the off season here. I know there's only four games left, um, and uh, there's not a lot to talk about in in these games. In all honesty, last night's game was kind of a mess against Dallas, four to one. They lost, and um, really second period they were by the second period they were out of it. Um, so like, there's really not a lot to talk about team wise. Uh, but there is uh, stuff to talk about, about, you know, where this team is headed uh, going into the future and what's been going on kind of around the team and mostly involving people that aren't players. Right. I mean, that's the, that's what the conversation is going to predominantly be today. So, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of geeked up for that. So let me let me get something straight here really quick, because I think it's it's important that we we do this. And, and Bundy, I, I want to make sure that we we get you in on this as well. There are four games left. Tortorella is up in the box. He's not coaching right now. The assistants are running the show. There was a, a hell of a standout quote from Rocky Thompson this week. We want to get there. Um, put us in the mind of a player really quick here. Four games left, lost season, very clearly writing on the wall. Um, there are certain players who will not be back next year. They're going to be players that this team's going to try to move on from. As a player, how do you get yourself motivated beyond the regular, you know, like you want to earn your paycheck or whatever? How do you motivate yourself to get up for these last four games in a lost season? Just pride. Self-pride would be what would motivate me, you know, to go out and try to do the best I could for my teammates, for the team. I mean, it's been a, it's not been a great year. I mean, they could talk about, they spin it sometimes and saying they've had good stretches and they're, you know, defining who the young guys are that are worth keeping. And that's good and everything. It's an evaluation period, really. Um, you know, the coach goes up in the press box, you know, it's funny. I've, um, 
no coaches do that, right? Unless you probably have a really big ego um, and feel like, you know, I'm going to go up and watch with the GM because I'm going to leave. No coaches leave the bench ever yeah. to go to a press box and watch. So it tells you a little bit of the state of mind, I think, of the coach as well, which is fine. He wants to have a pretty – it sounds like he wants to have a pretty big um, – uh, be a big part of the plan moving forward. Um, and when you leave the bench like that, to me, if you're a player or anybody around the organization, it's pretty clear that you've got your hands in everything as well as coaching. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, but that's certainly what I'm seeing from it. Um, you know, giving your assistants a, a chance to coach is it's fine. But their assistants, like nobody leaves it. I asked another head coach this week what he thought about it courts going up he's like i just never really thought of ever leaving my bench to go view from the press box unless it's a preseason game it just does not that's not what we do so it's odd from that but there's an evaluation period they you know there's a sense of urgency i suppose from what they're doing but again guys it, it it's great and everything and and yeah they're trying to look into the future but i mean you can't go pull a player off a tree. It's not a leaf you can pull off. Like you have to find those players and then execute it. And so, you know, you can go up there all you want. You can have your assistant coaches bark about how bad players are and you're not going to play and the coach can be in a press box, but that's still not going to get you better players or fix the problem for you because I, I could sit on the end of the bench or I could sit on the press box and tell you who's shitty and who isn't. And it's yeah. not going to change the view for me at all. Um, this team needs talent, high-end talent. And you can scream it from the press box or the roof of the Wells Fargo Center as loud as you want. But until that happens, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we know what this team has. Um, there's guys that have had good um, stretches, you know, younger guys. Um, but there's other guys on other teams. There's young guys on other teams that are having stretches like that or better at the same age. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I'm just, again, I'm not going to, I'm just trying to be realistic here, about what my eyes are seeing from, from the standpoint of where everything's at. I think they need to get a hockey ops guy in here pretty quick because right now to me, it looks like the hockey ops guy is John Tortorella. Um, and you know, whether that's a good, I, I don't, I think he really wants this team to be successful like we do and, and to have a future, and be part of the vision of that, you know, like as, as he does, he's part of the team. We're not, but, um, but I think sometimes, um, uh, you know, I, I just think we, there, there needs to be some order. Even John Tortorella has talked about that order himself, uh, you know, in his press conferences, you know, you go, uh, he was saying last week, talk, I, it was, it was maybe the end of March where he's talking about, um, you know, we have people like standing in the hallway between the players locker room and the coaches room. And he's like, and I don't really know what those people are doing there. They shouldn't be there. Um, I can only guess at who he was talking about. But when you have, like, people that are not part of the, the game that night that are kind of, like, you know, leaning against the wall, like wallflowers, and just kind of getting in the way, I think these are observations that he's made through the year. And as much as he's talked about some of these people, maybe that he had to clean up, like, I know he's constantly talked about the trainers from last year, which – nothing has been better this year with the new trainers. I mean, it's not like they've, it's not like it's been a complete, like everybody's been healthy and put back on the ice. So, you know, he evaluated that coming in, but then I guess he's seen some other floaters probably hanging around the locker room that he feels are not of, of, of worth to an in-game 
product that night. So there's a lot of things he's evaluating. And when you start talking about things off the ice, you're doing a real house cleaning and taking a house cleaning look at things. Again, I'm not applauding it, nor am I detracting from what it is, but this is what it is right now. And Anthony probably say that's why it's important to get a hockey ops guy in here right now to start structuring what this looks like. Because right now, no offense to Danny, it looks like the John Tortorella show. And he's calling the shots however he wants to call them right now. Because to be quite honest with you, he can. He's the, the, the guy that's not connected to Chuck Fletcher. He's the guy Chuck didn't even want here. You know, Danny's still connected to the Fletcher regime and all those guys. But Torts knows that he's the guy that's connected to this team now. It has nothing to do with that. So I think from his standpoint, he's thinking, well, I'm a coach, but I've also got an open lane. They just fired a GM. There is no hockey ops. There's no, there's a, you know, president that really is, is no longer part of the actual NHL structure or a player. So I think from Torch's standpoint, he's like, I'm going to take full control of what I can take control of. And when you leave the bench to let your assistants handle games end of the year, uh, that's the message you're sending. Let me move my well, interesting. Take like, over, Anthony. It... <laughs> Let's get Ant in here. Let's see if uh, if it's working. Go ahead, Ant. No, it, it, it's working the whole time. It's just my the magnet on the back of my phone has dropped off. And so now i got to kind of hold it in place, which sucks. And he froze. All right, so here. Well, oh. oh, there he yeah. is. Okay. Uh, anyway. What a mess. Anyway, point is, uh, I know. What Bundy was saying is is pretty spot on because what's, what John Torrell is doing here is he's realizing that this is an opportunity that a lot of coaches don't get um, yeah. to have a little bit more influence over personnel decisions. Now, there's a reason that the, the concept of having a coach also be like a general manager type has not worked in professional sports. A couple people have had a little bit of success with it, but for the most part, coaches and GMs have to be separate people because it's too much for one guy to do, right? So it's not like he's trying to be the GM, but he's trying to have a little bit more influence for the decisions that are going to happen with this roster going into the offseason. And like Bundy said, it's because currently there is an interim general manager and no president of hockey operations. So he is really the most tenured person that's not on the ice that's that, that makes decisions for this organization, right? So um, I think that John looked at this opportunity to spend a few games up in the press box with Danny because from what I'm told, there are a few players who they may have kind of felt differently about um, and that John wanted to kind of talk with Danny uh, as the game's going on and watching the, these individual players play and, and highlight what he's seeing and whatever because the other thing to keep in mind is Torts is very old school in that he's a he's an eye test guy. And Danny is more of a hybrid who does buy into some of the analytics of hockey. And I think that their their goal together is to try and find a way to marry those two. And how can they do that and be on the same page on specific players? Because there are some 
there are some players where the analytics will tell you one thing, but the eye test will tell you something else, either positively or negatively about the player uh, in either in either regards. Right. So I think that's kind of where things are right now. Um, and I think that that's that, that's what Tortorella's goal is by not being up there uh, with the with with or not being on the bench, but being up there with Danny. So I think this whole thing's a mess, and I, I'm I'm going to explain this really quickly, right? From my perspective, there there are a few things that that are at play here, and I think it gets very messy. And <clears throat> I, I'll have the unpopular opinion, I guess. I I don't think that John Tortorella should be above the team, which is where it feels like he's been placed, whether by himself or he's been enabled to to be that. We can talk about him being the longest tenured. We can talk about the fact that he won a Stanley Cup two decades ago. Um, but he he's almost playing the role of overreaching. It's fine as a coach to have the desire to, to want to have input in what the team could look like next year. He's the only person who really is under contract in his current position long term. Briere likely will just be given the GM role. But at this point, like there, there is such thing as overreach. Um, you know, Briere's job as the GM, as at least as of now, is to kind of build out the staff or kind of put in place what staff he thinks is going to belong here next year in the front office. Uh, and those people should be the ones evaluating the talent. Of course, you have to take input from your head coach, but I've never seen this before. And what this ends up doing is creating a weird power imbalance. It creates a very strange optics thing. I think a lot of fans probably don't care because there's a high approval rating of John Tortorella from this season, but um, it creates a weird power vacuum. And it, it also kind of begins to cascade to other avenues. So like, Bundy, the, the quote that stuck out this week came from Rocky Thompson, who uh, was coaching in Tortorella's place while Tortorella was up in the box. And I don't want to demean what a, an assistant coach is or what their role is supposed to be. I, I don't want this to come off as you know slandering, I guess, an assistant coach. But when you as the head coach, as the longest tenured person, the guy who won a Stanley Cup two decades ago, when you go off and make the decision to go up in the box, or you're enabled by the interim GM to make that call. You can put yourself in a position where an assistant coach goes off and says something that could ultimately be detrimental as you look to make addition by subtraction in the offseason. And we've kind of we've talked around this clip. I want to get to this really quickly. This is Rocky Thompson, an assistant coach under John Tortorella, uh, post-game earlier this week talking about the player's effort uh, in, in that game. So let's – oh, you know what? Hold on. It went, it went behind. Let's go here and then here. Nope. It didn't do what it was supposed to do. All right. We'll figure this out in a second. We'll figure it out. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. I just said it's not it's not about X's and O's. I said, and quite frankly, it looks like some guys in here don't even care. They're, they're just not trying. And, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out individually, but um, your teammates know and you know, and I'll give everybody another chance here. And, and if, you, if you're going to do it, then I'll keep playing. If you're not, I'm not going to play you. And so, you know, I don't have that authority typically as an assistant coach. And I'm a little bit more of the good guy when you're the assistant coach. But at the end of the day, black is black and white is white. And so um, I think the message got. 
I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it, Bundy. Like I, I get conceptually what he's saying, right? Well, he parroted the coach, right? Like yeah, that's but what, the, what people don't realize is that there wasn't a lot of tact in that. Um, yeah. And, and he generalized everybody. So what happened is, is that you'll go guessing, you'll go home and you'll wonder if you're that guy. Unless they've already said it in the room. I mean, this is why, again, this is why head coaches should be on the bench talking after the game when they're doing it. But again, you know, I, I don't I don't know Rocky Thompson. I mean, I know he, you know, uh, decorated tough guy when he played, you know, in, in the minors. But again, I, I, I'm, I, I don't I don't know what that's a comment that you hear from a coach, assistant coach, if you're a player. And it'll probably go right off the back hearing it from him. yeah like yep. that's like if, if he if a guy came out and said that like and i and i'm thinking well was that me tonight you're gonna have nights that are bad nights like you're just gonna have mm -hmm. rough nights where you're just gonna have a bad game and sometimes sure. that happens it doesn't mean it's a lack of effort was there a lack of effort in, in games i mean to me right now what a lack of effort would be or guys that don't care uh, are doing still when you're not doing the little things right like winning for me right now if i'm a coach what i want to see is how hard do you guys want to win the one-on-one -on -one battle in the corner? Because that shows you your compete. And there's no fighting anymore. You have to worry about any of that. Uh, so one-on-one -on -one battles in the corner. How willing are you to block a shot? Because now is really the most meaningless time to block shots. I watched the Dallas game last night. Uh, there was a defenseman that just decided last night. And we this is a guy that got benched, like a D'Angelo got benched last night. But there's another defenseman last night that wouldn't even put his body in the way to remotely even try to block a shot didn't want to make a play behind the net with the puck, got stripped, made awful. So, I mean, are we going to sit that guy next game? Uh, you know, and again, I mean, most people, I don't even need to say it. I don't even need to say anybody's name anymore. Fans, if you watch, will figure it out for yourselves. But if you – so clearly you're messaging now that you've got a guy like D'Angelo who's got another year on his on his contract uh, that you sat him out uh, because, quite frankly, if that's what the coach said, the assistant coach, well, then that's – what he's saying about D'Angelo that he didn't compete and he just didn't care because he got benched the next game. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, people are going to say what they want to say. And Rocky is right. You know, usually assistant coaches don't, uh, don't have that type of, um, uh, of power or luxury to come out and call guys out, even though I'm sure they would have liked to. Um, but there's little things that you could look for right now beyond what the skill is to find out what your compete level is that, that are invaluable to me. And a lot of them are just simple little things. And if you don't see them, and if you don't see guys willing to still do the basic, simple hockey things that make your team a good team every day, that goes beyond making elite skill plays or make it a great power play play, there's all a ton, ton of intangibles um, that are as important um, that you have to grow together as a group. And if everyone's not pulling on that weight, it, it looks bad and it doesn't feel right. And, and I think that's where they're at. There's been a lot of frustration, Russ, and we're 78 games in right now. I, I don't need to, you know, hear with six games left that the head coach is going to the press box and we're going to reevaluate everything. And I got the assistant coaches talking uh, about the team after and everything. It's I knew this three years ago, long before any of those coaches were even here. So I, it's this is like old hat to me. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the new millennium. I mean, it's this is I've watched this for years. And yeah. uh, especially the last eight or 10 years, the way this thing was, was built around. And, you know, you look at a guy like Giroux. You know, I don't think I, the Flyers would still be out of the playoffs if Giroux were here this year again. Yep. You know, they probably would have looked a lot like Ottawa 
at the end of the year. But I mean, it just goes, it's all like a big vicious cycle. And until the Flyers get out of that cycle right now, start drafting higher. Unfortunately, you're going to be mired in, in mediocrity for a couple more years, certain low mediocrity. Uh, but there's a lot of work to be done here. And it's one thing to subtract. Yes, this team needs to subtract players, but it also needs to find the right ads. You can't just go add anybody just to, 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 to fill in that subtraction. They have to be the right pieces now. And I think this is all how it all comes together with, you know, with Danny, with Torts, you know, the coaches talking. They're trying to do it by by committee right now because they don't really have any and hockey ops to figure out exactly what, you know, how this thing looks down the road. That's why I think Torts has taken a very uh, major piece of this and is trying to run with it um, in a situation that he usually wouldn't have any kind of clout to do that because coaches just coach. You know, like even yeah. you just get some coaches will maybe tell you the GM what they're looking for in an offseason. And then you'll have, uh, you know, coaches that just stay out of the way. Hey, you figure out your team. I'll coach the players you give me. I'll evaluate my own personnel and de- determine what kind of style we're going to play. But it's been, you know, I, I'm all about being fair. That's all I'm all about. If, listen, there's players that in this league that just can't play some of them in, at this level. There's a lot of players. There's a lot of teams. And, um and some guys aren't going to be a fit for you. When you look at a lot of the teams that have won Stanley Cups, they're pretty darn deep. You know, like yeah. one through four, their lines are well well designed. Uh, every one of those teams that's won a Stanley Cup lately, they all have a superb number one defenseman. Not a number three or four that's masking as a number one. It's not. That's not it. Like, they got a Victor Hedman or a Makar in Colorado. I mean, those guys are super studs. And if you have a great goalie, well, except for, you know, with with uh, with Colorado, um, you know, they, they were able to do it in ways where they didn't have like that that Vasilevsky type of goaltender. Um, they didn't have, you mean they didn't, they didn't they have were, a, they didn't have an Alex Lyon, huh? How about that? Former Flyers prospect Alex Lyon going 4 0 0. He's got like a, a 968 or 986 save percentage. Yeah, it's last. A great, that's a great story. There's a lot. It's unbelievable. But that, that's the fact, really, guys. When you look at it, you need to draft high. You know, most teams, I can't think of a team outside in the last long time that didn't win a Stanley Cup having one of those top two or one, two or three picks on their team that weren't just super impactful. Crosby, um, Maybe Detroit might have been the last team, but they had the best defenseman to ever play besides Orr, I guess, with Lidstrom. There's a lot of work to do. Anthony, we were just talking. I know we lied. Anthony's going to the ball game, the Phillies, uh, the opener, and we're hoping that the scoreboard's working. Um, I don't know anything more about that. It's just a rumor I've heard. Um, but, uh, yeah, Anthony, there's a, lot, there's a lot going on right now, and I think a lot – you know, I, I really feel like, you know, as Tort said, I think a lot of people are doing, trying to do things here that they're maybe not accustomed to do because there is a lot of care for this organization. And I think with Torts only been here a year, I think he realizes now that he may be the guy in turn uh, that is the one that gets assigned with or tasked with some of these, um, these jobs after the season's over. So that's why I think he's taken more of an active role. I don't love the press box move, but you know, if he wants to go up there, he's been around forever. Uh, it just looks like a real power move. <laughs> Like I'm gonna it, it is. It is a it's power, all power and ego. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely a power move. Um, but I but I think it's an I think it's an endorsed power move, if that makes sense. Right? Like, I mean, I, I think that you know, the people that are going to be putting the new president of hockey ops in place, meeting Dan Hilferty and, and Val Camillo, um, and plus the the 
uh, people that they're working with from outside the organization to in the search process there. Um, I think that they're all okay with this. Like, I think that they're all blessing this because they feel like torts can offer a perspective from up there with Danny that, you know, and, and have the opportunity to do it. That's, I mean, it's not, you say it's never been done before, but if this, let's say this kind of works out a little bit, right? Let's say the Flyers go into this off season, they purge some players and some contracts. I hate, I hate this. There goes his phone. Jesus, this guy. All right. Um, this guy. Listen, here, while, while we get him back, this is, this, like, tell me I'm wrong. All right. Feel free. When, when this team hired Tortorella, when they brought in the outside agency and they, they chose to hire Tortorella, which was not Fletcher's desire, I said at the time, this has all the makings of a power struggle. This has all the makings of Fletcher gets fired and Tortorella decides to try to take things over. And I asked you guys at the time that Tortorella was hired, is it possible that within three years we see him move into the front office? Is, it, is there a chance that we see him try to move up make that transition and, and kind of be part of the overall macro view of this organization, because it, it seemed based on his age and based on the amount of years he spent behind the bench, that that could make sense. Him doing this is the ultimate power play. It's an ultimate ego trip. I, I hate to be the person that always feels like they're, like they're offering up the, the dissenting viewpoint here, but like this just comes back to John Tortorella, right coach, wrong time. Because if, if he, if he fundamentally believes that he needs to be part of the structuring of the organization, not just the, the roster, but the organization as a whole. And if the people above him believe that like he needs to be part of like establishing what the vision of the team is, then he shouldn't be the coach. Then move him to the front office. Move if if you're if you're that hell bent on it, then let Tortorella either be the GM and move Briere up to president of hockey ops because he had been trained, you know, in, in his prior stops to be more of a president of hockey ops than a GM anyway. Then let Tortorella be the GM. Or if you're going to have Tortorella, you know, have legitimate say, then let him be the president of hockey ops and hire a new coach. Like to me, there, 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 there's no way to have a, an equitable power structure here where Tortorella is allowed to do this kind of thing now. And then is expected next season to just kind of, you know, shut up and coach. I just don't see it. I don't, I, I don't think that there's enough of a, there, there is too much of uh, a sample size here to indicate that Tortorella is not going to want to be subservient. So if that's the case, just put him in the role. If, if you want to enable him to do this kind of thing, then let him do it from a higher, from a higher perspective. And by the way, I'm not going to complain. If, if they ultimately decide that John Tortorella needs to be the president of hockey ops for this team, fine, let him. That, I think it's totally fine because I, I will stand resolute in the belief John Tortorella will not be the coach when this team is ready to contend. He's going to be too old or too burnout. So, you know, Put him in the position that he can have longevity with the organization for the next five, ten years in a front office role, and get a get a coach in here who he's already got. If John with, Tortorella who, who does that, the vision, then he's then his coaches are already here, right? So there's no there won't be if that happened. Shaw or Rocky would be your coaches. That's that's assuming that they allow. Now that that is if assuming that happens, though. Here's, yeah. here's the thing though. Here's the thing though, Russ, and I I hear what you're saying. But, but the reality of the situation is John Torrell has no plans on doing that anytime soon. May he want to do it when his contract is up after coaching for four years? Maybe. Maybe he would want to move into a, a front office position at that point. 
but he doesn't want to do it right now. And I then he should be behind the bench, Ant. He shouldn't be pulling this bullshit because we while while you were off, we pulled up the Rocky Thompson quote. Yeah. And what that the the problem, and we didn't touch on this, Bundy. The problem with that kind of quote coming from the assistant coach is it is counterintuitive to what needs to be done and what the head coach says needs to be done, which is addition through subtraction. Because if you if your assistant coach now goes out and to your point parrots what the head coach had said, right? It it just puts another layer of difficulty on moving some of these players because it becomes clear which veteran players aren't checking or which ones are checking out, which ones aren't buying in with a, a few games left in the season or which ones might not have been buying in throughout the season. It makes that job so much harder because you kind of committed an unforced error by putting the assistant coach in a position where they can answer those questions publicly. Back to you, Ann. It's just, this is, this is the frustration. Oh, wait, no, he, he must be going it. This is an all-time, Bundy, when I tell you, this um, is an yeah, all-time this is a... frustrating episode with Anthony. Um, five years of doing the show. He's checking in now, I guess, to, to go get into the parking lot. Bundy, like, am I, am I totally off? Like, I let me know. Fact, if yeah, if I'm totally gotta, off. You know. Yeah, you got to be careful with, with you have, um, you know, when, you, when you're doing your messaging in a certain way. Listen, I, I don't really, I'm more old school too. Like, I don't. I don't really give a shit too much about feelings. Like everyone's worried about everyone's feelings now. Like if you play like shit, don't be too hard on them. You know, we want to be good next. Like that's just garbage. Um, I had my ass ripped more times than you could shake a stick at, you know, and it was never when I got called up to the office, it was never about, Oh, you're playing great. Keep it going. It's always, they're always trying to do something to keep you motivated and keep you on your toes or to, to, you know, meet your potential. Um, this is just, you know, it gets to a point where you get certain guys that if you feel that they're worth keeping, it's fine. But there's no point just pouring gas on a fire that we already know is burning out of control. You have to turn over, um, I would say, 70% of this lineup. Maybe, I mean, I don't know if he can do that, but that would be I what would, I'm thinking. Yeah. If you're at 70%, you're at 20, say 23 guys. You're keeping three out of every 10. If you're looking at keeping seven guys. Yeah, that's probably that. that's actually that's probably true. too many. <laughs> I mean, seriously. No, you I mean, know, but, but you know what? I'm, I'm just yeah, I'm just formulating my head, but I'm I'm looking at it like, are there? Yeah, there's seven guys that you could keep here because there's no other team in the league that's going to be able to find. You're not going to be able to find guys where you keep. Like you look at Colorado, they probably want to keep 17 guys. But if you're rebuilding a team like this, like where they've been at the standings year after year after year now. It's a complete overhaul, and and I yeah maybe Anthony we're guessing I'm saying that's, how many salvage by the way players? though Bundy that's that's part of the problem with standing pat at the deadline though right because if you had moved off of a few of the contracts it makes it easier to have turnover but, on your roster but nobody wanted those contracts Russ like that's what I tried to set at the deadline like you'd say talk about moving JVR or Kevin Hayes there had to be a financial part of that done and that's where the last GM just. I don't know if he was sleeping at the wheel, if he was driving the vehicle at all. I have no idea. Uh, it looked like a real mess, like an actual hot mess when that guy was running the, the GM's office. It was a disaster. Um, but I don't know what went on. But these are moves to me, Anthony, that needed to happen a while ago. Um, and again, we're asking how many salvageable players, if this team wins a cup in, say, seven years, six years, let's say it's an imaginum. How many guys from this current team could be on that Stanley Cup winning team? And I said no more than seven, maybe less. It's probably less. Yeah. I mean, because turnover is 
quick in hockey. Yeah. And they don't have any superstar, right? So so without a star player that usually has the longevity, um, it, it's, it's more likely that the players on this roster are not here when that happens. And if you're saying six years from now, that's, that's your, that's your date. Um, thank you. Uh, sorry. They, it's opening day for the parking people too. And they didn't, they had to figure out if I was on the parking list or not. Um, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I think that, I think that when you say on the current roster, I, I'm having a hard time coming up with six in all honesty. Well, I'm, I mean, and, I was, and I'm, yeah, and they're going to go down spots and layers in the lineup, right, Anthony? Yeah. Like first that, line guys would have to be third line guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, may, you know, maybe a couple of the younger players are still here. Um, when you say that in six years, I, do I think that there's players in the organization currently who will be here in six years? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that one, you know, obviously one of the goalies is going to be here. Um, uh, you know, Cutter Gauthier is going to be here. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you know, maybe one or two other guys. You know, maybe like a guy that they just called up, like Ronnie Adder. They have a lot of they like they think highly of him as a defenseman. Like I think he's a guy that could still be around in six years. Maybe Owen Tippett could still be could still be here in six years. I think he's going to get a contract at some point that's going to probably extend out far enough that he could still be here. Um, By the way, kudos Chuck Fletcher on that move. I will give the guy credit there. Tippett Tippett has has really been an impressive young player for this team this year. If there's one good thing left from the Chuck Fletcher regime, I, it's not bad that that was the guy that you got in the trade for your captain. So yeah, I think you know it was what? an accident. It was an accident that worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Sometimes, sometimes you need sometimes you need happy accidents though, right? And, and it, well, I mean, either way, it would have it still would have been a good trade because Chuck was trying to get a first round pick in twenty three. Florida ends up moving that pick for a defenseman instead, and so then Chuck has to settle. Once once it became obvious that Florida was really the only team he could work with, Chuck had to settle for a first round pick down the line and. Tippett became like the the, the make good, right? Because so, yeah. it wasn't a first round pick in twenty three. Tippett became the make good, and it turns out that it that ends up being a really good trade because you get a very useful player that's in the league now, and he's young, and and he's turned out to be pretty you know pretty solid player, and you get a first round pick, and all Florida got was a month and a half of Claude Giroux, so it ends up being a really good trade for the Flyers, but. Yeah, no, I. It, it, you're, you're right. I mean, this what you see now is very likely not on a Stanley Cup team six years from now. But I will say this: if you feel like if you feel like you can be a playoff team within by like say three years, within three years, and I think that that's a reasonable belief that you could at least get to that point in within three years then I do think some of these players still have good value for that build to get to that point and be part of that. And then you can start a backfill from there. So I, I think that that's a, a reasonable expectation. So if you say to me on this current roster, how many guys, if you say in three years, they're in the playoffs, how many of these guys are there with them as a playoff team? I think seven, eight is probably a legitimate, realistic number. But I don't think that that's a, a number that they get to for 
a Stanley Cup contender. I don't. I just don't. I think you have to purge more than that in order to in order to get to that level. Well, here's your problem, right? So if, if you look at, at where this team is in terms of contracts, in terms of length, AAV, the, the likes, right? The the guys that maybe fit the three-year window are your Sandheims, your Konechnies, and your Provorovs, who are either 26 or 27 or about to turn 27. So by that time, three years down the line, they're going to each be in that 30-year-old range, right? Yeah. By that six-year window, they're in the same general frame that you were at with like Claude Giroux at the yeah. end of his time here. You've essentially, in that case, you've kind of set yourself up to repeat history again, right? Because unless unless you're of the opinion, and maybe you guys are, unless you're of the opinion that Travis Sanheim is going to bounce back next year uh, and Ivan Provorov is going to bounce back and fix glaring holes in his game that he has not to this point, and Travis Konechny is going to return, remain fully healthy, and, and kind of build off what had been a largely positive year this year, those are probably three of the players that in theory you would want to say in three years, if you're a, a legitimate playoff contender or whatever, that they're here and, and they're part of it. And by the way, at least two of them have contracts that are going to be hard to move. If, if you're unable to move those or those guys can't take that step, it just kind of further implicates the, the, the problem that you have with this last GM and giving out some of these deals. Yeah. It's, it's put you in a really tough position. So, so I think what they're going to do, I think you're going to see some changes um, with the roster this year of some that could include one or two of these players uh, being shipped out. I mean, I think that yeah. that's going to be part of what the rebuild has to be. Yeah. Um, and even if a couple of them make it to that three-year mark, Russ, where it's different than with Giroux is that you have to assume that rather than do what they did with when Giroux was in that prime, which was just constantly band-aid it that they are starting to work the process of getting younger and better and have guys develop as your better players are hitting that early 30s time frame where okay we have to be good then or else the player is not worth hanging on to right so i think that that's the one difference that they're going to try and do it a little bit differently that way than than they did the last time with Giroux. um but you're right in that in that regard. Like it could it could it could snowball to that point. But I do think that this offseason, one of either Provorov or Sanheim is gone. I'm not sure which, but I do think they move on from one of the two. I think Connecting's name is going to come up a lot. I think we're going to hear a lot of rumors about it. And I think if they move him, it will only be for something that they really feel like they're getting value because they really like him that's the to me that's the hardest player for them to move mm-hmm. internally like they really would rather not but if they have to they will um but i think there are other players that could well be shipped out as well um and they're going to try and get out from under bad contracts like we know the kevin hayes thing with columbus is probably going to happen we know the um uh, we know that they're going to probably try and move on from D'Angelo. Um, I, I think that they're, they're going to, there's a possibility if, depending on how things go with the Team Canada investigation, they could conceivably move, try and move Carter Hart um, as, a, as, a, as a way of bringing back assets that could help the rebuild quicker. Um, I hope we didn't just have people drive off the road. I, I think these things can ha- these things can happen. I'm not saying they're definitely going. The only one that I'm 100 percent confident in is Kevin Hayes going to Columbus. I think that's 
an autumn. I think that's a done deal. I think it was a done deal at the deadline. Just, Hey, we just can't do this until the off season kind of thing. Cause um, they didn't want to pick up points and screw up their lottery hots. Well, they that? also didn't want to pay the salary this year. Right. I mean, they didn't want to, they didn't want to take why, that. Yeah, why, why would they? Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, if you're a bad team, why are you, why are you taking on salary? You, you know, like the Angelo thing may be tougher though than you think at, he's got one year left, right? Just one. Yeah. That's why I was thinking maybe at the deadline might have been a better time to get rid of him. It, it, it probably um, it probably would have been. Yeah, Bundy, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that you might find a team that is looking at it and saying, "Hey, it's only one year. It's not a ton of money. It's about you know what that kind of defenseman gets paid in the NHL this year." Um, and if he's going to be a guy that we bring in to play third pair, but he could be on our top of our power play and help our power play, and there and you're a competitive team, you might consider you know a one year flyer on Tony D'Angelo and not have to pay a lot for it. The Flyers are just looking to get out from under it, right? So you probably it's not going to cost you much of anything. So I, I think that I think that he'll move. I think that he'll go. Um, but yeah, I do. I do. I, if I had to say right now, you look at the twenty. What is it? Twenty-two guys, twenty-three guys that are currently on the roster. I think you're flipping over at least eight for next season. So, yeah, and 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 you don't know what that's going to look like. The new the new turnover guys, you know, it's just it's, yeah. you know you're not going to flip everyone for you're not going to trade a get get rid of a B and pull in an A. You right. know, you might actually get rid of what you think's a B, and you might actually be getting a C back for it, but you don't know that. Until right. it happens, and then like with the Owen Tippett, right? You didn't know that that was going to be be a big part of it. So, you know, yeah. Did that's, I, you know, quick, he ended up it panned out as well as it was. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, I, I know we wanted to try and keep this episode a little bit shorter, and yeah. and my adventures today have made it a nightmare. Um, but uh, I, I did we bring up at all the um, uh, the hiring committee for uh, no, the no, we we should. We should, though. So to, yeah. you know, to, to bring people back in, a big hot-button issue last offseason was the organization going out and hiring a, a consulting firm to conduct the head coaching search, emasculating the GM and president of Hockey Ops at the time, and ultimately choosing to hire a coach that he didn't want here. Because surprise, surprise, the coach won out. If only, if only the show had said that from, <laughs> I don't know, the, the, the moment – it was very clear that that was where it was heading. So, um, and you you wrote the story up on Crossing Broad, and I think we're going to name this episode Kingmaker. Maybe I don't know. So Billy one. Billy, don't call him Gene King, uh, <laughs> has been brought in as part of a committee to look for the next president of Hockey Ops. Those of you who hate basketball might still know the name Billy King because he was uh, unable to add any talent of value around Allen Iverson in his time as a Sixer. He's also the same GM who executed one of the worst trades or pair of trades in NBA history. That was one by bringing in Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to the nets and trading off massive, massive assets to the Celtics, which allowed them to reset and have a much larger and longer window as a successful NBA title contender um, by trading away Garnett and Pierce. So Billy King, not exactly the greatest track record in the NBA, and yet he's going to be on this committee. He did, by the way, do a nice job with WIP as a, an occasional host in the morning show, but 
Anthony, break this down for people and let them know why they should believe in Billy King uh, being part of the committee to find the next president of hockey ops for the Flyers. Yeah, well, so so Billy Billy is the um, lead name from his company, uh, Modern. Um, I think it's Modern uh, uh, Executive consultants or whatever whatever the official title of the company is but um, basically what they do is they help corporations hire executives and billy's the head of their um sports and entertainment uh department right to try and help in, the, in that field um and so it's it's a group of people from his company not just billy king but he's the the point person for the company um and he was brought in to uh work with dan hilferty val camillo and then Neil Glassberg, who was the guy who was the head of the uh, group that brought in John Tortorella last year um, to help pick the next gen- uh, president of hockey operations. Mm-hmm. Billy King's involvement does not bother me a little bit. And I know people are automatically tying it to his tenure as a general manager of the Sixers. But no one's asking Billy King to come in here and pick hockey players, you know, or make hockey decisions. They're asking Billy King and his company to come in here to evaluate candidates from a business and operations perspective and to offer, you know, uh, you know, some thoughts on that. Billy's a smart guy, obviously graduated from Duke, right? Really, really bright guy. Um, And another thing about Billy that I think that is valuable in this is that he served in this very same position, albeit for another team in another sport, but in this city. And so Mm -hmm. he knows the landscape here and understands how, how the, this person is going to have to be a public facing voice for the organization. And I think that his input could be very valuable in that regard to let the organization know, because remember Dan Hilferty is a CEO who uh, has now publicly stated, like he is not going to be the, you know, the the hands-on hockey person. Um, he is, but he is, you know, a big. He knows the sport, understands the sport, um, but he is, you know, and Val, um, although she's had a, a big turnaround in the in the past, you know, year plus, um, she's still not from philadelphia so i mean she's she's learning it and getting it right but she's not originally from here and has not been here with a team that has been successful yet so i think that's part of it as well um and then neil is an outsider who knows the hockey people so he's going to bring the names in right but he's also not a philadelphia person so i think billy really kind of gives that end of institutional knowledge Yes, that's roughly one of your favorite phrases. No, I don't know. Institutional knowledge is fine. It's it's good because Billy King is going to be able to point out to this next hire which popcorn machine works the best, uh, which <laughs> urinal you should avoid on game day, like all that. It's all, yeah. No, the, the Philadelphia angle to this, you're, you're right, is is really smart. Uh, and, and while they're not the exact same role, he, he served at a high level. I, I joke about like the soda machine or the yeah. popcorn machine and everything, but like there is something about knowing how things function in that arena as well. And, and with operations and with staff and, and, and all of that Bundy uh, one, have you been approached about being part of the hiring committee? <laughs> and, uh, and two, 
No, but I should be. No. Seriously, I'm actually not saying it. Like I know, I know everybody in the league, every agent in the league. Again, you know, I I don't i not put it out there, but I'll say it like, yeah, I've been around Philly. I understand what the fans want. Anthony does too. You know, there's people that do know it, and I'm not saying that being arrogant or cocky, but yeah, I know the entire hockey world who the good people are, who the ones with good integrity are. Um, I'm not saying those people aren't. I have no problem with Billy King either uh, being part of it. Nothing. Like, he he was here. He understands the market. Um, but, yeah, I think you do need a big Philadelphia voice in there to kind of, like, that played here a long time. I mean, there's a lot of guys that should be in there. Keith Jones, maybe. You know, like, I don't – I mean, he Jones he didn't play here long. I don't think he played 60 games here in this city. But he's made a name for himself afterwards and certainly understands the fan base. Um, but you know, yeah, I think that, that, that should be a discussion. Maybe, you know, that you just brought it up, but, um, this is again, guys, I've always said, like, I'm kind of babying the whole thing with the flyers in a lot of ways to me, because it's a special thing. It's a special place in my heart. And it always will. I love them, but they got to do this right. And that's where I think that, that they've, that that's where I think there's a lot of people trying to do a lot of things, maybe beyond what they're, they're supposed to be doing. Um, but one of them is having an opinion. And being able to voice that opinion with clarity so people understand it. Uh, I want to keep your feet to the fire here because it's it's been rampant speculation on Twitter and on Facebook. I've seen you tagged in a bunch of these things. People have tagged Snow the Goalie in it as well. There, there are people who um, immediately assumed that with Coatsy's retirement that you would go right back into the job on the radio. And there are people who are clamoring for it because you were the best person at that job. I would I would argue on radio and on TV. I mean, I'm not I, I don't Listen, at this I, point, at this I, point, I guess I have a reputation for, you know, not being afraid to trash different things, but like Coatsy didn't do it for me. I thought Coatsy's corner on TV was funny for a while, but like I didn't get insight from Coatsy. You on the other hand, and I would have said this before. I knew you and saw how big you were in person and you know, that you know where I live and it ha- definitely doesn't have anything to do with that. But like I'm you, softy. you were by far the, the most knowledgeable person conveyed things and, and had institutional knowledge again of what it is to play in the city. And like people, people want to know if there's a chance there. So I, I guess, is there a chance there? Have, have there been conversations? I don't know how, how much you want to dive into it, but like people have been speculating, you know, like where, where are you at right now? Well, I read it on Twitter, and it's mostly from the fans because I did it. Before, did it, but you know, so my whole story, and I don't want to share it. We actually, I'd like to save an episode for how this whole thing went down because there's a whole piece to this part of 2020 where I was relieved of my duties. But I want to talk about how it happened because I actually found out what happened, and I've been I've been sat down and explained to and with full clarity I know everything that happened and the people that were involved and they're scumbags I've known that anyway but the part was as you go back guys I'll tell you what happened it was 2013 and I was doing radio and I had a good run on radio me and Saunders had amazing chemistry Tim Saunders has called me and he already told me he said if someone asked me for the from them this is a couple weeks ago. If, if there's a replacement who I'll tell him, he goes, I'll tell him there's no one else but you. That's nice and all, everything because I had great chemistry with Timmy. But I want people to understand, I replaced Coatsy at the request of the hierarchy at one time to go to TV. So I was on radio. They put me on TV because I was good on radio. I was also good on TV, and I'm not going to lie because I don't think anybody, people come say, I don't have anybody come say, boy, you were shitty on TV. 
No one has ever said that or radio. I carried the water for the team. I carried the right message. I protected the people that need to be protected, but I was honest, really, really honest. It was NBC that backdoored me and railroaded me. There's no surprise. It was not the Philadelphia Flyers. It was NBC Sports Philly and the couple of lowlifes that run that joint. And that's the that's it. We'll get into what happened and why I think that happened. Um, but the way that NBC Sports has treated people that have worked there, unless you're really doing a heck of a shine job, um, you're not really going to be uh, uh, be around there long. They dump on everybody. They shit on most people. And if you're good, they really want to get rid of you for whatever reason. Um, there's a lot of egos there. But would I do it? I don't know, Russ. I'd have to look into it. I mean, listen, if it helps the Flyers, and it clears up the message. But people are like, hey, why don't you replace Coatsy on radio? I already replaced Coatsy on TV. It's not a replacing job of replacing Coatsy. It would be that there's a job opening and maybe what I want. I don't know because I'm doing so much amazing stuff right now, guys. Like I did a whole career change. All I was accustomed to in my life was doing hockey. I was a programmed hockey player, programmed hockey uh, uh, personality in the locker room. I was the guy, and I think most guys would tell you that when they played, I was the life of the room. I was the, the, guy, the comedy in the room and the guy that kept things loose and still had to play top pair of minutes every single night. So I brought a lot to this organization over the years. Broadcasting was a fit for me because I would like to talk and I, and I you know, was, I shined through with it. But it was it was not the Flyers that had anything to do at the end of the day with me being relieved. I want to share the story before the end of this year because there's a whole lot of stuff that people out there don't know that's gone on. Uh, and it's gone on for a little while. So it kind of makes me smirk and a little bit of a grimace. You guys know. We won't get into it right now. But um, uh, retribution and road to redemption – are beautiful things, guys, and they can be out there for you at any single time, no matter what you do. Um, but you know what? I, I I said to somebody the other day, I'm going to be quick here. Um, I love working with you guys. You know, I'm untethered. This has been also something. And, I'm, I, and another reason I think that I, I, I lasted as long as I did here in Philly is I'm um, extremely passionate, but I'm also extremely loyal to people. And um, I always want to try to do the right thing. I don't like people seeing people get screwed. I don't like seeing people get their legs cut out from under them. Um, because it doesn't need to happen. But I was around here for 27 years, guys. It was a great, one of the proudest moments of my life. And I'm glad I got some clarity in the last few months as to what happened. And I would love to spend 30 minutes in an episode talking about it. Would I go back to radio? I don't know. I have two daughters still playing basketball. I love watching it. Things have changed. And the work I'm doing in the city now, helping people struggling with addiction and, and getting them into recovery and seeing lives change has been the most impactful thing that I've ever gone through in my life. And uh, and if there is a, a happy median, we'd have to try to find that. I never say no to anything. I'm just saying I don't know. <laughs> so That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, By the way, you use the, you use the, you use the, the phrase Road to Redemption. People could still get a book titled that, right? Somewhere. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually, Road to Redemption's <laughs> out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, the, amazingly, there was, I was like, someone said, yeah, I want to use Road to Redemption. I'm like, what do you? Are you fucking kidding me? There's no other road to redemption. See, I tried to go the episode without the F word. I just couldn't do it today. I couldn't do it. Um, so, um, yeah. We're so but you know close. what, guys? We were so close. You know what was great, though? I But Philadelphia is, like, just the best to me. Like, you know, I love it. I, I bust chops on Twitter. Like, even the people I break stones on Twitter, I love them. Like, and it's just some days I get up on the wrong side of the bed. And But I love the Flyers. We do. I know they're trying to do the right things, guys. But um, 
they got some work to do. And uh, if if radio, if uh, the price is right and the timing's right, what the hell, Russ? I still think I'm better on TV, but, you know, I don't know. I don't want to have right. to look at these you guys. handsome fella, you. He's feast on this, not that. So, Russ, <laughs> Russ I, I, I know we're, we're at the end. Did you find we have, Bundy, I, I got to tell you, we have one of the best five-star reviews, one of the funniest five-star reviews we've ever had. And I want Russ to make sure he reads it because it. I was laughing so hard when I read it oh. the other day. Okay. You, you found it, I Russ? Got it. Yeah, okay. I did. Go well, ahead. Hold on. We, we, have, we have, I think, four new five-star reviews, so we'll get to those. Yeah. And, and the one that Anthony wants is the one that we'll get to last. Yeah. First one is uh, five stars from Weech1. Love your podcast. Watch when I can. Listen every week. By the way, if you're watching, make sure you go subscribe. We, we talked about this at the start of the episode. And if you've lasted this long, get, get your keister over to, uh, you know, youtube.com slash at snow the goalie. Subscribe over there. Hit the little bell so you never miss the show, right? Um, all right, let's get back to this. I grew up with the Flyers. My first memory of life is on my father's lap in the old spectrum watching a bench clearing brawl against the old Colorado team. I was three. I love the fact that, you're, that your focus on this podcast is the fans' passion for this team, their knowledge of the sport, and your dedication to sharing your honest insider knowledge of the sport. I have lived outside of the Philadelphia area since 1992. The NHL used to have one of the best packages for out-of-market games. Depending on satellite or cable, one could even get the games in HD, which mattered very much in the early aughts. The recent contract has destroyed the package. Now one has to subscribe with multiple streaming services and packages. I do not get any games on TBS due to my cable provider, and my local games are not on television because he's on, in the Seattle area, or she. Uh, if the national broadcast has the rights, uh, it's crazy. As a hockey fan, the app is awful. The NHL destroyed user interface that, sadly, the MLS and uh, MLB copied. I wish the NHL case about the fans – or I, oh, okay, that was a, a misspell. I wish the NHL cared about the fans' user experience. I hear it still works wonderfully above the uh, above the border. Keep rocking the pod. Next one's from Dom1285. Awesome analysis. Great show. Even better inside analysis. These three keep it real and don't hold anything back. And then uh, third one, favorite podcast, five stars from Rog and Rolla. Uh, great job, guys. Love the chemistry between the three of you. I never missed this podcast and truly appreciate you guys giving your honest opinion of the organization. Keep up the great work. And now we get to the one that Anthony was the most excited about. <laughs> this one is from Wiglet888. That's it. Best Flyers podcast around. By far the only Flyers podcast worth listening to. Added bonus is the three hosts look exactly like they sound. Bundy looks and sounds like a man who spends his free time chopping wood and living off the land at his cabin outside of Saskatoon. <laughs> I'm from Ontario! <laughs> Ant looks and sounds like my Uncle Sal, who ran numbers growing up on Germantown <laughs> Avenue in the 60s. <laughs> and Russ looks and sounds like the squirrel who shows up on my deck every spring. Keep up the good work, boys. I'm a squirrel. Such I'm a, a squirrel. great five-star review. Such a great five-star review. By far. You know, By far was, my favorite. There was a guy who worked at the uh, Westchester University Dining Hall. I don't know if he still does. Back when I was in college. And I don't know why this popped in my head, but it's a squirrel. It's squirrel related. Every day we would ask this guy how he was doing and he'd have like some kind of quip. And the one day he, I think, I, I don't know what happened to that guy this, that morning. But we said, hey, how's it going, man? And he goes, man, you know, 
I'm just a squirrel out here doing squirrel things, trying to get a little some some from a female squirrel. <laughs> and I was like, I just want my omelet. What the hell is that? What kind of response <laughs> is that? <laughs> so anyway, um, that was a moment. So I'm a squirrel. Bundy's a lumberjack. Aunt is just somebody's cousin, Sal, or Uncle Sal. Running that's numbers. Great. Running, that's a bookie thing. Right, right off of Frankfurt there. Frankfurt and Germantown F. Yeah, <laughs> running numbers on, on Germantown Avenue. Anthony, you got any odds on a Claude Giroux's Ottawa Senate is making the playoffs? Yeah, ain't happening this year. That's ain't happening. You know, Bunny brought this up. The Ottawa earlier. Senators were the Philadelphia Flyers of the last 10 years this year. They yeah. were exactly what they – okay, I'm not getting into this. I'm going to get shit off. The Ottawa Senators became the Philadelphia Flyers of the last – like every other year for the last 10 years. And, and you know, you are going to catch some heat because you said it, but it's true. This is true. And they looked – they looked like a team when we went into the season and we said, Ottawa looks like they're going to be better than this Flyers team, which wasn't much of a stretch, but they added some actual talent. They had some injury issues at different points in the season, but like it is, it, it's absurd. Like this is to a T what a lot of the Claude Giroux years ended up being with three games left in the year. Uh, they are eight points out of the final wild card spot. And he had a great them, year. He had he a magnificent season. They yep. they would have to they would have to hop over Buffalo who's just ahead of them. No, they're done. They're over over over, they're over, over over Pittsburgh. No, I know. I'm saying like, listen, if they had like eight more games, they would still ha have to jump over these teams. They'd be in a battle with Sidney Crosby again. Crosby's team is one point out. Um, I believe they played the same amount of games as Florida and New York as the Islanders have. So that's actually going to be an interesting race to watch here going down the stretch. Yeah. Um, uh, let me let me throw it to you guys because this will this will mostly play out by the time we record next week. Of Florida, New York, and Pittsburgh, two teams have to make it. Which two teams make it into the postseason out of those three? Keep in mind, Florida and New York have one extra point over Pittsburgh. Each team has three point or three games left to play. Who makes it? Florida, New York, Pittsburgh. Florida playing. The doesn't Pittsburgh have an easy schedule? They do. Florida, yeah. Florida, Florida's playing the best of any of the three. Um, and Pittsburgh has the easiest schedule. So I'll say Florida and Pittsburgh. Um, not that I think either one of them wins in the first round against Boston or Carolina. Um, but I think those are the two that, that get in and the Islanders are Islanders just missed. Flor Florida actually has a better chance of beating Boston than certainly Pittsburgh does. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. There's no doubt. So anyway. Yeah. Until so Ron, he what you're saying, what you're saying is Ron Hextall is having himself a hell of a season. I wonder if he makes it. Does he make it to next year? I guess we'll yeah, find out. Well, we'll he'll make, if they make the playoffs, he'll get another off season. I'm guessing. If they don't, he'll get fired. And so will the coach. They'll probably turn over everything. Question: If if he gets fired, is he going to go across the street to like a, a hotel lobby to uh, hold a, a secondary press conference <laughs> like he did here, or, or does he just kind of go off? I went to that. Oh. Anyway, did you? Yeah. All right, so uh, I guess that's a good place to end for this week. Uh, as we mentioned about 40 times on this uh, episode, if you are watching right now on YouTube and you're on the Crossing Broad channel, that's A-OK. -okay. But make sure you give us a follow over at uh, our, our new YouTube channel. Eventually, all the episodes are going to migrate over there. Live streams that we do for the show are going to be exclusively over there. So make sure that you follow youtube.com slash at snowthegoalie. You can search it in YouTube in the bar. Do you know the goalie flyers podcast? It's more likely that it'll pop up. The channel will pop up there. 
and uh, hit the little bell so you know when we do a live stream or when a new episode hits. I think that's it for this week. You can also follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. We're also on Pandora. I think most or all third-party podcast apps, if you have one that you like to listen to uh, for some reason, you can find us there as well. Um, so for Ant on Twitter, at Ant San Philly, and Bundy on Twitter, at Cterian6, I'm Russ, at Joy on Broad. Remember, you can follow us and the show on Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie, Twitter.com SnowTheGoalie, and uh, Instagram, Snow the Goalie. So uh, for Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening, perhaps even watching the only Flyers podcast, Snow the Goalie. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>